the radical left, the Marxists, the anarchists, the agitators, the looters, and people who, in many instances, have absolutely no clue what they are doing. Welcome to What Radicalized You, a podcast of stories and experiences that have shaped people's ideas about our world and the way society should function. My name is Marcus Batchelor. I'm a native Washingtonian, a son of Southeast D.C., had the honor of serving the last six years in elected office as an advisory neighborhood commissioner, and more recently uh, as the Ward 8 representative and vice president of the D.C. State Board of Education. I got my start in activism as a student organizer, organizing to make D.C. the 51st state. I got an opportunity really early in my upbringing to not only learn the power of my own voice, but also in so many tremendous ways, was lucky enough to have the opportunity and the room to lead in my community from a very young age. What radicalized me, I think, uh, is a complicated question, but I think it all started in my community. I was someone who wasn't really around politics a lot. You know, my family voted on election days and paid attention to the news, but we weren't a hyper political family who kind of discussed, you know, the the news of the day or, or kind of, you know, was in community meetings every week that, you know, that wasn't us. But what what I did have a constant example of in my household was service to community. I got an opportunity to see my mom, who, again, wasn't super political, but served my community in very quiet ways throughout my upbringing. Most of my growing up, she was a early childhood developer and worked with the youngest people in our community. And then, you know, as I got older, she also began working as a home health aide, serving the oldest members of our community and really working to give folks, even in some cases, who weren't that much older than her, uh, a new lease on life and a better quality of life. And so in those ways, I got to see service. Both my uncle and my grandfather were union workers at Safeway, right? Making sure that our neighbors could get fresh and quality produce and meats. My whole family just served in very quiet ways. And I think that that stilled in me the perspective that, you know, our place here, our room here on earth is not just for us. It's really about pitching in. It's about being a part of a community. It's about doing what you can, where you can, to the greatest extent that you can. And that really shaped me in really profound ways. And then, you know, as I grew up, what drove me into activism and politics was just a reaffirming of that mantra in the examples that I saw. I grew up off of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X Avenues, which for some people in this city is notorious for a lot of things. But it really was a constant reminder to me about the men and women who shape, you know, movements for justice and liberation. I went to Martin Luther King Elementary School. My barbershop was named after Dr. King. I went to a high school named after Thurgood Marshall. So that example was ever present in my upbringing. And then getting into high school, I got the opportunity to really put that to work. 
I was in student government in high school and had a guy from the community named Philip Pinnell come to my high school asking for volunteers to participate in some event. And I ended up going and was both struck by the community in those spaces, but also struck by people's drive to get things done and to make our community better. And so that first experience was transformative for me because I never stopped going. I got involved in democratic politics earlier. That's where I got my introduction to the statehood movement. And as I grew up, you know, that activism intensified. I got to work on campaigns for people I really believed in. I got to work on campaigns for causes that I really believed in. Then, you know, at 19, got the opportunity to lead the Ward 8 Democrats, first as vice president, then as president. And at 21, got to run for office for the first time. And I think my early years in elected office, where I also got to work for district government and inside government for the first time, also radicalized me in a way. Because while I went to those spaces to really do better for people who had clearly been left behind, it frustrated me the extent to which our city had the resources and the minds to do it, but that we had just failed over and over again to Right, provide quality places for people to live and proximate grocery stores and hospitals for them to get the, the care and nutrition that they needed. That, you know, there were tons of young people across our city, though we were sitting on millions, if not billions of dollars of reserves, were going to schools where the water ran brown and they didn't have enough books and there was no parent resource center and the principals had to choose between a math teacher and a librarian. That frustrated me really deeply. And so, you know, very quickly, that idea that I had for government being a tool for good meant that folks like me, with my perspective and background, but also with that deep frustration, I think it was imperative for voices like mine to get involved. And so two years after getting elected to the Advisory Neighborhood Commission, I ran for the State Board of Education to talk about not just ensuring equity in education and a better quality of education for young people, but also a better quality of life for them and their families. So while I talked about equity in the classroom, fair school funding, culturally responsive curriculum, those things that we knew would raise the bar for students left furthest behind, I also talked about how we use schools and the resources that schools provide as hubs for preventing violent crime, for providing parents with resources to gain skills or get a job, to provide young people the safe spaces that sometimes they weren't getting in communities and at home, and how we built a village around young people that I know works because it worked for me. That was really rewarding work that I got to do over the last four years. But, you know, that that frustration just, you know, that, that things can get better, just keep driving you. And so about three years into my term on the board, I decided I was going to run for an at-large seat on the council and not just because of like, what people see as the natural progression of politics in our city, right? You run for one thing, run for the next, run for the next. I thought this race was important because at the time, I thought it was a good opportunity to center issues of public education as a great equalizer in our city. And I thought that that was important, but I also thought it was important for people to realize that 
for almost a decade, there had not been citywide representation on the D.C. Council from communities most left out of the conversation, communities in War 7 and 8 east of the Anacostia River. And I wanted to say that the residents left farthest behind, the communities left farthest behind, deserve a citywide voice and deserve someone who's going to be able to put these, these issues that seem to only acutely impact one community into a citywide vision that was going to push all of us forward. And I got the tremendous opportunity to do that, to, to push pretty radical ideas like a guaranteed income and police-free schools and free pu public transit, housing as a human right. All of those things, I think, change the tenor of the race and are beginning to change the tenor of conversations we're having right now in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in the wake of the coronavirus and obviously this tremendous threat on our democracy and our democratic society. All of those things, I think, radicalized me in a way when I was really pushing to radicalize those spaces. And so I think the, the good thing is that that radicalization flowed both ways <laughs> over my time uh, in public service. You know, I think we all have to do our part. You know, like I said, the example that I got from my mom and from all of those people in my community, you know, the the veteran around the corner who stopped and gave me books once a week in a brown paper bag so that I had something to read at home, but also flew the American flag on my birthday because he said I'd be something special one day, right? The deacon around the corner who took me and the kids in the neighborhood to vacation Bible study every spring break just so that we had something to do and we were able to build stronger bonds between each other and our faith. Right. My teachers who poured into me and challenged me, but also cut out opportunities for me to explore my passions when they saw that I was passionate about something. All of those little things really changed the trajectory of people's lives. And I think that goes equally so with community. Right. Calling out something, calling out an inequality or a disservice when you see it is activism. Right. Pouring into your neighbors left further behind, not necessarily for charity, but for solidarity. Shout out to Mutual Aid for giving me that line. You know, that is activism. You know, testifying at a city council hearing on the issue you're passionate about, that is activism. So, you know, I think the challenges seem so big in the grand scheme of all that we're facing. And the last year, clearly, without even having to say it, has transformed our scope of our challenges in really big ways. But I want to challenge people to also realize that this period has also given us a tremendous opportunity to imagine what's possible, you know, how our systems can change, how our communities can change, how our social contract and what we promise to one another as a community and as a society, how those things can radically change for all of our good, right? This is an opportunity to do that in really powerful ways. And so I challenge everybody to, to pick up a tool, right, and get to work. No individual can kind of wrap their arms around these big issues and solve them on their own. But it is about making sure that, that all of us play our part and do those things that we're most passionate about because eventually they do make the difference. And even if they don't make the difference in the way you thought or in the timetable you thought, they always do.
I have spent six years in elected office and some of the things that we advocated for, we thought would never see an end um, or would never progress. But I've never been proven wrong that if you bring a group of like-minded folks together to get that work done, and if you're passionate about it and believe in it, that we'll make progress. And I think that's what keeps me going, even in challenging times like this. And I hope keeps everybody else out there going too. Thank you.